Welcome to episode 171 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the supremacy of federal law. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the supremacy of federal law, supply chain disruptions, ivermectin, tyranny, or how to destroy America comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a minute and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I can't take it anymore. The level of ignorance of the Constitution, the lack of respect for it, the blatant disregard for it, all of it is at a historic highs, and I just can't take it anymore. When asked recently about states who oppose Biden's unconstitutional decree that employers with over 100 employees must fire anyone who refuses to take the experimental COVID-19 vaccine, White House Press Secretary Jen Circleback Saki said, quote, federal law overrides state law, end quote. Now I'm willing to bet that if you asked 100 people if that statement is true, a large majority would answer in the affirmative. This includes law school graduates, their professors, and sitting judges who believe that the Constitution is whatever the Supreme Court says. How does that even make logical sense? That would mean the federal courts get to decide if something the federal government did is constitutional. I think not. Talk about the fox guarding the hen house. I know they don't teach the Constitution in school. I wasn't taught the Constitution either, and I got a political science degree. What they do teach is ass backwards. It's really sad because it provides a bedrock principle in which we can put a stake in the ground and say, as I often do, where in the Constitution is the fill-in-the-blank policy prescription of the day? The answer, more often than not, is nowhere. More on that in a minute. So what is the truth about the so-called supremacy clause of the Constitution? It can be found in Article 6 and reads as follows, quote, this Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in the Constitution or laws of any state, to the contrary, notwithstanding. So let's break that clause down to its bare essentials. It reads, this Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land. Did you catch that when I read it the first time? It does not say federal law shall be supreme. It does not say federal law overrides state law. That's a bunch of bullshit. It's made up. It plays into the hands of the totalitarians like the current crop of national Democrats, and it plays into the ignorance of the American people when it comes to the Constitution. The key phrase, of course, is the phrase, which shall be made in pursuance thereof. In other words, the federal government is supreme in all items clearly listed in the document. And finally, it mentions treaties made under the authority of the U.S. shall be supreme law of the land. 
So I need you to really focus in here. Only constitutional federal law is the supreme law of the land. Supremacy has limits. Since the Constitution delegates very few powers to the general government, i.e. the federal government, it isn't supreme very often. To that point, most federal law and most of the federal government is unconstitutional. Does that feel like a radical statement to you? All the bullshit that comes out of D.C. about energy policy, education, welfare, workplace safety, vaccine mandates, enforcement of the border, land management, environmental policy, agriculture, housing and urban development, labor relations, the Federal Reserve, the SEC, Small Business Administration, Amtrak, transportation, marijuana laws. None of that is constitutional. Therefore, anything D.C. has to say about those things or related to any of those is null and void. Those laws cannot, by extension, be supreme over state laws. This is where nullification comes in. Check out episode 23 for a deep dive into that topic. Suffice it to say, nullification simply means if a law is unconstitutional, it should be ignored. You don't wait around for some judge to declare it unconstitutional. You simply ignore it and dare the feds to enforce it. Two obvious examples are federal marijuana laws, ignored by many states. How about federal immigration laws? You ever heard of sanctuary cities? In the American system, the people and the states are supreme and sovereign. The people of the states created the federal government and delegated to it a few enumerated powers. Yes, the federal government enjoys supremacy within its sphere, but once it moves one inch outside that sphere, it possesses no supremacy at all. The Bill of Rights and essentially the Tenth Amendment were necessary to make sure the supremacy clause was honored. State sovereignty was to be preserved at all costs. Check out episode 37, The Truth About the Bill of Rights, and episode 120, The Truth About the Tenth Amendment, if you're interested in looking into that further. Michael Meharry, author of Constitution, Owner's Manual, and Communication Director at the Tenth Amendment Center, offered a great analogy in his chapter on the topic of the Supremacy Clause. Quote, Think about a referee in a hockey game. He has supremacy on the ice. He enforces and even interprets the rules to some degree. But it doesn't follow that a hockey referee has supremacy on the football field. And he can't pull you over on the highway and write you a speeding ticket. He explains that both are outside the ref's sphere of authority. He goes on. In fact, he, the ref, doesn't even have absolute supremacy in the world of hockey. The league is sovereign. It dictates the rules, and the referee works at the league's pleasure. The league can tell the referee how to interpret the rules. It can give him more authority on the ice, or it can take some away. Ultimately, it can fire him. The league can even dissolve itself. The referee only possesses the power and authority the league delegates to him. On the ice, he enjoys supremacy, but his supremacy remains limited, just like the federal government's. When you really think this through, the United States would not even exist today if the states that joined the Union thought their laws would be overridden. Why would they have fought a revolution against an all-powerful national government system, the king and parliament, that could do whatever the hell they wanted? Why would they fight a revolution against that and set up another system just like that one? The answer is, they wouldn't. To prove my point, I think it's important for you to get some flavor of the issue from some of the founding fathers. 
At the Philadelphia Convention, the, the Constitutional Convention, one proposal, I believe it was from Virginia, was to essentially give the newly formed federal national general government, whatever you want to call it, was to give it essential veto power over all state laws. But that was roundly rejected. In its place was the Supremacy Clause, the Bill of Rights, and most importantly, the Tenth Amendment, as I mentioned earlier. That's pretty powerful evidence, wouldn't you agree? William Davey, a delegate to the Constitutional Convention from North Carolina, said, quote, It is not the supreme law in the exercise of power not granted. It can be supreme only in cases consistent with the powers specially granted, end quote. Supreme Court Justice James Iredell of North Carolina argued that, quote, this clause, the Supremacy Clause, is supposed to give too much power when in fact it only provides for the execution of those powers which are already given in the foregoing articles. If Congress, under pretense of executing one power, should in fact usurp another, they will violate the Constitution. End quote. And finally, Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 78 said, quote, No legislative act, therefore contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. End quote. So if you take one thing away from this short episode, I would love for it to be that you push back on the BS lie that federal law is supreme every time state law and federal law conflicts. Federal law is supreme when state and federal law conflicts and the federal law is in pursuance of the delegated powers of the Constitution. Only constitutional federal law is supreme law of the land. Supremacy has limits, lots of them, according to the Constitution. And that's the truth about the supremacy of federal law. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Podcast.